0: rainy street in a town called Downpatrick and I'm here because I'm going to go and cook and eat a meal with an old friend of mine. His name is Henk Van Rijn. He's half Irish, half Dutch but grew up for the start of his life in Zimbabwe. I uh, met him when we were both street fundraisers and um, we've become very very dear friends ever since. And the reason I'm doing this is that uh, I've had an idea to go about as far and wide as I can travel and do this with my friends cook and eat a meal together and catch up and that's why you're listening to this it is about trying to find an excuse or a way to rekindle friendships that otherwise can get distracted by the adult world of work and family and raising children and everything else and what I want to do is try this out for myself, record it and allow you to basically eavesdrop on me doing this and occasionally to be an eavesdropper myself to um, get other people I know together and um, sit back and record them doing the same thing. So I don't know how this is gonna go tonight. Um, It's an awful evening. It really, really is. It's very, very gloomy and gray. It's the start of April, um, but it feels much more like February tonight. And I just wanna do something nice with my friend Hank. So I'm now walking away from the town center. I've got a wheaten bread, which I baked last night in a tin. Uh, More about how to make that later. Um, this show is going to partly be you getting to listen to two people talking about their relationship it is also going to be a bit of a cooking show so we will be giving you ideas for recipes and you'll hear us cooking those and um, I think I'm going to pause for now and uh, we'll pick this up again in a little bit Thanks For having me around to your house.
1: Um, first question is What are we cooking today? Well, uh, we're cooking a favorite of mine, um, some moule mariniere. Oh, yes. Um, so it's mussels with a white wine and roasted garlic mix. And to that, we are going to add some chopped leeks and a little bit of parsley at the end. Lovely. And we're going to eat this with some wheat and bread cool. and a bit of salad. Yeah. Well, I'll
0: tell you what. If you want to, uh, first of all, talk us through the, the stages of things you're going to go through and uh, shall I mix up a bit of a salad dressing while you're at it?
1: Sounds perfect. Yeah. So tell Brilliant.
0: me, what, what do we do? How, if you've never cooked uh, mussels before, what would you say to someone like who probably thinks, oh, I couldn't possibly do that? Well, what would you say to ease their mind and let them know this is an easy and delicious thing to do?
1: Well... One of the key things is mussels. They they take about four minutes okay. to steam, and that's it. Wow! So very very easy to cook. Um, I've got a big pot here, and uh, uh, now these mussels have been prepared for us, so um, we're fortunate in that uh, we don't need to do a lot of the sauce mixing. But generally speaking, you could go down to most shores, you could get mussels. Um, the right size, uh, make sure the water quality is good, make sure they're healthy. Um, you can just put them in the pot with, with hot water and cook them just in a tiny bit of hot water. Make sure the pot's sealed, steam them for four minutes, and that's them cooked. Okay. Right. And you can eat them as is. They're nicer though with garlic, a bit of white wine, oh, and yes. so on. So that's how we're going to do them today. Very, very simple, very, very quick. Uh, and very, very good for you.
0: Great. Wow. So, I mean, the, the actual moment of cooking is almost instant, but sometimes you do have to sort of take beards off them and sometimes you see someone tapping a muscle before they cook it and waiting to
1: see if it closes. What's that about? Well, uh, it's a very good point. Um, if you think about public perceptions of shellfish, okay. often, People get a bit nervous about eating shellfish. They, they. Uh, some people have a mistrust of it. Um, uh, so, there are ways around this. Shellfish can be perfectly safe, but there are some checks that you should make. So, um, mussels. Essentially, it's it's uh, it's a creature, mm. uh, 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 sort of a squidgy squidgy sort of amorphous sort of creature that lives in two hard shells. Uh So the shells pop open, uh, they're roughly half each. So this creature closes its shell when it's out of water. And uh, that's to trap a bit of water in and to keep it all safe. So when it's in the water again, it opens up, okay? Now this natural reflex, this is what you use to tell whether your muscles are good or not good. Okay. Okay. So, um, first thing, you, 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 when you buy mussels or when you glean them from the shore, they must be closed. Anything that's open is dead, uh-huh. okay? So, you remember it only opens underwater. Right. So, the first test is anything that's open, throw that away, right? Getcha. Now, you've got about four fifths of your muscles, okay? Okay, yeah. Um, then whenever you cook them, boil them, um, the way we're gonna do is steam them in a large pot. Um, at the end of that process, any of them that are still closed are dead, Aha! right? So you might lose another portion of them then. Right. And everything you've got left over afterwards sh- should be totally fine. So
0: basically, closed going in, open coming out. And exactly. as long as you stick to those two rules, you're not gonna wind up with a dicky tummy
1: should be fine yeah <laughs> excellent glad
0: to hear we're not going to poison ourselves today yeah <laughs> so um yes i'll get started then i'm going to just make a really simple vinaigrette here um and i i really stick to very simple rules i'm just going to got some of Hank's oil and vinegar here and it's a it's a 3 to 1 mix so i always put in three parts oil to one part vinegar um i fire in s- well have you got any garlic cloves Hank? got garlic go? cloves yes I please do, yeah Watch out for all the wires. Hank and I have just had a hilarious time trying to stop ourselves creating trip hazards in this kitchen with uh, all the recording equipment. Some this garlic. is the first time I've done any of this. And uh, no, I don't need it. I'm just going to roughly bash it with my the palm of my, or the heel of my palm. I'm not even going to skin it and put it in there. And a uh, spoon,
1: please. What sir. do you need a next?
0: A, a dessert spoon. There you go. And as I said, three to one. So what we're going to do for a while is just leave the garlic in the oil and vinegar before we mix it all up two and
1: three Mm, is that uh, maybe
0: more we'll do six to two
1: that's four it's quite good for me to learn this too now six well that's put we're all sharing (laughs) ideas tonight (laughs) every
0: day's a school day and two vinegar so what this is gonna do now uh, as i said you you don't have to chop the garlic you want to fish it out later just give it a rough bash in between the heel of your palm and the chopping board. Is that just to open up the husk? That's just to open it up, get the juices flowing, and then just leave that. Leave that while you're cooking everything else because you just sort of fire it all up together at the last minute. Okay. Okay, so that's that done. So Sounds good. So let's show me you cook some, uh, some mussels okay. here.
1: Okay, so first we're going to do a bit of a base. hmm Okay, so we'll get a little bit of butter in here. Great. Okay, and uh, I'm going to chop up a few leeks or just um, chop up a little bit of leek off the, uh, i just give that a wash first.
0: And that's the green of the leek you're going to use?
1: Uh, yes, only the green bit, yeah. Excellent, excellent. That's where there's so much of that sort of lovely grassy
0: flavour and...
1: Yeah, yeah. I figured, I f- I figured that will just um, um, sort of add a bit of turf, literally turf, to the surf. surf the surf.
0: And yeah. <laughs> um, 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 So, Hank, I mean, you spent quite a lot of your your studies
1: uh, of learning, that your, marine biology is your background, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I spent um, a lot of time thinking about the sea, uh, working with the sea. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been about nearly 20 years of that. I mean, yeah. In, wow. In, in fact. Um, and uh, yeah. It. Um, I mean, I suppose this is a cooking program. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> there's an awful lot of seafood that I've eaten over that period I, I as well. I can imagine, yes. Uh, so th-
0: looking to preserve all these animals so you can keep eating them, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a it's a very French sort of concept. They, they're some of the best <laughs> marine biologists in the world, and yet they have some of the best seafood restaurants too. So there's, there's a bit of hus- husbandry going on as well, I would say. <laughs> Um so I've chopped the leek up. Yes. And we'll just fire that in. Now this is just more for the it's more for the flavor really. The flavour that will come off of that. Yes. And it will mix in with So we're
0: not gonna eat those leeks really. They're just to sort of give us sort of a an aromatic Exactly Gotcha. And um I mean it's it's weird uh, because you started life off in Zimbabwe,
1: which is a landlocked country. That's right. Um yeah. Yeah, uh, like many people, it's been an interesting journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the fortune to live in uh, a lot of uh, countries when I was growing up, um, uh, beginning life in a landlocked country. Um, one of the other countries I lived in was Mauritius, though. Oh, right. Um, so while in Mauritius, uh, I don't know if any, any of living up there contributed to me wanting to work with the sea, but Certainly, um, there's a lot of sea in Mauritius. <laughs> um, I saw a lot of sort of interesting, interesting game fish being brought ashore by the big game fishermen. Um, played played a lot of time on the beach over there as well. Um, what, what age were you when you were Mauritius? Uh, uh, sort of between um, between about city seven and seven and nine, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and, and
0: yeah. Was that sort of going back and forth between Zimbabwe and Mauritius then?
1: No, no. Um, uh, it was uh, it was a three-year solid period in Mauritius. Um, so, I mean, it began began in Zimbabwe. Yes. And then uh, we moved to South Africa uh, shortly after that. Um, interesting. It was during the apartheid years in South Africa, oh. which which a four-year-old wouldn't know any different. No, no, it. no. Um, and then uh, we left South Africa for. For Mauritius, and uh, spent three years there, and um, then a uh, curious thing happened. We actually moved to Belfast, <laughs> uh, and uh, the mystical land of your mother. Mystical land of my mother, exactly. Um, uh, moved to an estate called Beaver Park, where um, I arrived as a tanned French-speaking kid from overseas. Um, uh, yeah, sort of had to uh, pull my weight for the first time ever, really. Uh, you'd grew, I mean, you'd grown up in kind of freaky
0: privilege at a point. I mean, you, you had like yeah. maids and you were living the sort of the colonial
1: little Lord Fauntleroy life. A, 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 post, a post-colonial kind of lifestyle. You, you know, if you get talking to anybody who grew up in any of, the, uh, any of those countries that, um, that that were colonies at one, one stage, a lot of them have that sort of, uh, sort of strange upbringing by western standards yeah um, so as you can imagine it was it was a serious culture shock moving to belfast yeah. uh, and how did the other kids take you you, know, you moved into quite a rough council estate um, um, yeah well it, they, they were the first 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 fights i ever had in my life um <laughs> and uh it was it was quite uh, i mean it was quite a difficult time um but gradually began to settle Gradually began to get used to, it. and then we were, we were whisked away again to live in to move to Sri Lanka. Then, right, um, but didn't didn't stay long there before we went back out to Zimbabwe. And so, um, coming full circle back to Zimbabwe uh, was, um, I suppose, a bit of a homecoming. But it mm. was it's important to me because, a, I was born there, but b, I sort of did a lot of my teenage developmental years, late childhood early developmental years and so i really closely associate with that place yeah yeah but you're right it's landlocked <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um yeah yeah i mean it's another story how i sort of got into marine marine work um and um we'll, we'll pause for a second and you can tell me because i can see the the
0: leaks have been sweated down and now we're beginning to open these uh vacuum packs of mussels that are gonna Make yeah the, the main event of our meal tonight so tell me what, what's the next
1: stage with the cooking so we need to think carefully now because this will cook very quickly okay <laughs> and then we're done right so, so now is a good time to prepare probably the salad yes the salad? yes
0: yes sounds good sounds um, clever so i'll fish out this garlic now it's done its work um, pop that in there for now so i just need um have you any mustard i do Right mustard, uh, what mustard does is it helps to emulsify the um, the vinegar and the oil for longer. So I need a wee fork then. Fork. Yeah, so mm-hmm. great stuff. So you literally just need a tiny, tiny smear. So just yeah. what what you can peel off a fork of mustard. And then it adds a bit of heat to it. It adds a really and nice noise. bit of heat. It also, as I said, it emulsifies the dressing so it holds together the oil and vinegar that want to run away mm. from each other. Mm. And that's it. That's that's simple it.
1: vinaigrette. So. Very good. Well, let's get a a bowl, a few bowls yes. ready. As, as I said,
0: the wires are everywhere behind us. This is, uh, <laughs> this is all new, so <laughs> any trip
1: hazards, I'm not insured, and Hank can sue the heck out of I was saying earlier on that um, being this connected up to things is very like being a scuba diver. Yeah. Often with scuba diving you're 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 you're, you're sort of um, in murky water and tethered to another diver in case of an accident. You could be tethered to the surface and so you have to be very careful with nearly all of your movements. Um, yeah, that's what it feels
0: like tonight. Just this
1: yeah, just all these cables behind us and move now. slowly and with purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that not a recommendation for life in general? Uh, yes, 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 I, I think so. So either of those bowls will do. Great. Perfect. Um for the salad. Nice and simple. So um you need a knife? Uh no,
0: I no. Think no. Just just as is. Just, just a just nice some leaves. No problem. And then you spend these truly formative years back in the land of your birth, back in Zimbabwe, and then there's quite a, an abrupt parting from that again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it sort of would coincide with um, with uh, the, the, the sort of political situation in Zimbabwe getting a little bit more tense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, around about 1996 it was, uh, uh, it was becoming more problematic to be a white person in that country. So it was time to go. And, and what age were you at that point? Uh, it was 15.
0: You, you know, you had never chosen to live there and suddenly you're not choosing to leave.
1: Uh, no, no, yeah, but I mean, most, most of the moves in my life, um, they, were, they were associated with my dad's work. Uh, he worked in the clothing industry and he, he got work in all these different countries. We got fairly used to moving around. So, moving from Zimbabwe eventually wasn't really that big a deal at the time. Yes. Just moving to another country. Um, we didn't, uh, yeah, yeah, funny actually, it just popped in my head. The plan was to do a pit stop in Belfast and go to Washington State, okay, in, <laughs> uh, in North America and uh, move to Seattle. Um, so so staying here for as long as we have wasn't really on the cards, but that's that's what happened. God, I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, yeah, um, we've more or less been in Northern Ireland ever since N- nile I've had I've had um, trips away to to study mm-hmm. uh, uh, marine biology as we said um, uh, a, 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 like I've lived in England a little bit on and off, um, had a pit stop in Dublin with you many, many yeah. years oh, ago. <laughs> I think we'll save that conversation when the microphone's <laughs> off. Um, and, uh, yeah, I spent a year in Madagascar, which was wonderful. Um, and, uh, yes, sort of on and off, yeah, it, 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 you know, the journey has continued, but more or less I'm, I'm, I'm sort of stable in, um, in the UK and Ireland now. Uh, just
0: to say, you probably heard there the clanking of mussel shells going into the pot, so we really are just about to be nearly ready to eat. So I think I need, to, while you're doing that, to slice some wheaten bread. Oh, yep, yeah, good call. So, while Hank is getting the mussels ready, I'm going to tell you... If you're from Northern Ireland, I don't need to tell you about wheat and bread. You've been reared on it. But if you're from elsewhere, wheat and bread is a particular kind of wholemeal soda bread. So it's not leavened with yeast. It takes two, three minutes to put together and about 45 minutes to bake, and it is truly delicious. It's, it's nearly more of a, of a cake than a, than a loaf of bread. So um, you put together, you uh, yes, I'll use this, this here. You put together uh, 450 grams of uh, self-raising wholemeal flour, so make sure it's got the soda in. 350 grams, not milliliters, 350 grams of, um, of buttermilk, and it must be buttermilk because buttermilk has the acid that reacts to the alkaline of the soda in the self-raising flour. Um, you uh, Before you add in the buttermilk, you rub in 80 grams of butter, and you rub that in thoroughly like you're rubbing in pastry, so rub it through until it's, it looks like breadcrumbs. Um, and one tablespoon of sugar, and then is that enough? I'll get some more. Um, and then you mix that together in a bowl until it's smooth. Don't knead it. It needs to be quite a short uh, cakey consistency, rather than rather than well-needed bre- uh, bread dough would be. Um, and then put that in a twenty-centimeter uh, cake tin, greased. And bake that in the oven for 45 minutes at about 200 degrees. Now I'm going to be making a video of this for our YouTube channel so you'll be able to see it all happen. Um, but that's all I've got to say about bread. So Hank, back to the mussels.
1: Great, well now the bread's the bread's just about ready there's a plate for it. Um, the bread, why the bread goes well with this dish, particularly wheat and bread, is it's very absorbent and um, We've got this wonderful juice that these mussels are going to be steaming in in a second. And um, as we eat the mussels, uh, when it's ready, um, we'll end up with more and more juice and less and less mussels. And um, yeah, there are many different ways of dealing with this. Bread is one of them. Uh, Some people just get the whole bowl up and slurp it. Um, As we'll find out, there are many different ways to eat this dish as well, but um, bread's Bread's a good way of going in Heaven, it. heaven. So now hold
0: on until I get I
1: get a couple of plates. Um, so, so these these bowls are good for bowl. the muscles. Excellent, excellent. And a couple right. of side plates. And uh, what we'll do yeah. is we'll get something um, like a hot uh, temperature resistant thing that we can put the actual put the axle pot on. There go and um, another thing for preparation of mussels is you generate a lot of shell matter so you can use a, a bowl or, or, um, or, or you know like another vessel of some sort, I sometimes use a saucepan and uh, it's just to put in the empty shells when you're finished with them. Lovely. So I think we're good to go,
0: actually. I think we are, yes. Yeah. I'm just gonna Brilliant. pour the dressing on the salad now. So you moved back to Northern Ireland at
1: 15. Did yeah. you
0: experience more culture shock that time than when you'd done it as a younger boy?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I suppose if, if, any, if any of you out there are thinking about moving your kids, do it when they're younger. <laughs> um, later on, so, so I, came, I came to this part of the world talking with sort of a Southern African kind of accent. <laughs> and uh, that was the first thing is people don't speak like that over here um and then uh, yeah everything from sort of how we structure our days to how we structure our terms here uh, uh sort of what what people eat what people think totally different in the northern hemisphere totally totally different um so there was a there was a lot of um uh, uh th- th- there were a lot of changes to make and um yeah just gradually over time uh, i settled into my school so i had to do Um, you have GCSE exams over here Um, I came in at a certain time in the education system I had to do the two-year course in one year it wasn't fun Um, and then uh, yeah starting the A-levels that got a little bit better Um, this this sort of leads up to the marine biology thing because like most people when they're 17, 18 they don't really know what they want to do I'm 38 now I still don't know what I want (laughs) to do and um five it w- years ahead of you and same <laughs> as you <laughs> so i sort of ended up going through a whole bunch of choices uh, uh or, or sorry was presented with a whole bunch of options um uh, becoming an illustrator was one uh joining the royal navy was another oh. one um becoming an archaeologist was one because i like i really uh, i'm really into dinosaurs um as most kids are that was just a bit that never really uh i never grew up out, out of that um sort of combining biology and art, and plan B was marine biology. So I went to Portsmouth, to Gosport, to attend the Admiralty interview board, uh, a three-day interview at age 17. and failed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> failed p- uh, poorly. Um, uh, I, I, I just don't think I was the right stuff at the time. You know, They did say to come back uh, uh, when I'd sort of got a bit more, um, ironically, life experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, maybe it just wasn't what they were looking for at the time. Um, so, yeah, th- then I ended up in Swansea in Wales. and uh, I picked Swansea um, based on the photograph on the brochure on, on the brochure on the yes. prospectus. Yes, so swan the Swansea campus is um, along along this beach this beach that is uh, miles long that, oh. that is Swansea Bay and The campus is right on the beach you cross over a bridge and you're on the beach and it's just the whole student life there revolves around things going up and down on this beach one end of the beach, you've got sort of uh, Mumbles and Mumbles Head and the lighthouse. And it's slightly nicer, slightly uh, older people than students live mm. along there. Growing ups live there basically, but it's a very cute village, um, great pubs. Uh, and then as you head sort of into Swansea in town there, you've got, you know, you know your student areas, you've got your other residential areas. Swansea is not a very uh, affluent c- city, uh, it was bombed uh, for a fair bit during the, uh, the Second World War and it wasn't rebuilt in the same mm. way that other cities were. A lot of the wealth went to Cardiff in Wales and it didn't get to the next major place, which was Swansea. But what it does have is this charm, this real charm and character. I read something in the, uh, the news the other day. Uh, it is one of the most desirable places to live in the UK I at can the imagine, moment. I yeah. Beautiful I mean, place. The <coughs> setting,
0: I, I just remember... Um, when I had friends down in Bristol, a couple of times heading up uh, to do a weekend camping up in Mumbles.
1: Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. I mean, just at the weekend in the summer, it's just loads of teenagers and people in their 20s just having a great time. Just beach parties, uh, you know, there's campfires all up and down the beach. Yes, yes. Everyone's just getting drunk and having a brilliant time.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I I mean, it was a a great place to be a student and I'm, I'm quite an outdoorsy person, as you know. Sort of being on beaches and uh, trying to learn to surf and camping and all those things are very much things I like to do in my spare time. So being a student there was great. Um, I just need to stop a second. Yes, I can Um, smell
0: the muscles suddenly getting ready. That waft just hit me and it's gorgeous.
1: So we've put the heat back on the big pot. um, The lid's on top and it's building up inside. We don't need to cook these that long, but um, it's good every now and then to give the whole pot a shake just to sort of stir all the muscles around inside. It's a bit like a popcorn. It is a bit like popcorn. Uh, oh, I can smell it. You like the, the smell more. of that? Yeah, go on. Let open
0: it. Oh, yes. Oh. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, there's nothing like that. That mixture of garlic and wine and seafood. Oh, S- it's so
1: good. So these are actually Scottish mussels. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the Scottish sea lochs are well suited to farming a lot of mussels. So people don't tend to wild harvest them, um, but uh, as much uh, so they're growing. These are growing on long lines in the Scottish sea lochs. Um, Scotland really have their act together with that, yep. uh, because these mussels they they're very easy to grow. Um, and they're one of the most sustainable seafood sources, period, in the world. I mean, this is
0: happening cheek by jowl with the disaster that is uh, salmon farming.
1: Exactly, yeah, yes. Which is yes. terrible,
0: and yet this is the yeah. opposite. This is because with salmon farming, you're wiping out other parts of the ocean and feeding the protein to disease-ridden, like a migratory animal kept in a cage. It's a horrible thing to do. Yes, uh, whereas yes, with course. this you're just
1: <coughs> extracting the natural nutrients of the ocean, turning it into good protein. It's more, it's more like... Um, farming mussels is more like farming some sort of plant or something like that, you okay. know, they're not plants at all. Yes, but that when when you grow plants in a field and so on, if you grow them naturally, you don't need to add anything. You just put the seed in the soil and the plant grows, right? Yeah. All, all it needs is, you know, light and carbon dioxide and water. With mussels, Once you get these seeded onto the long lines, they don't need anything else, they just grow. Wow. You leave them for a couple of years to get to the right size, and that's that's you done. The trouble with the fish farming is that, yeah, they're in pens, right, Um, which is not good for the condition of the animal, Um, and uh, they can get ill. So they need to, uh, uh, in addition to adding the food, which you don't have to add with mussels, they also have to add, Medicines and things, things, like that, and being a, a cage in a three-dimensional environment, a lot of that falls through the cage onto the onto the seafloor below, and it, it can create um, dead zones uh, 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 under them. And I think that that is the environmental damage that many people speak of when they talk about fish farms. They don't all have to be done that way. They can be done more sustainably. But mussels are so easy. I was just going to
0: say, you know, I mean, they're, they're they're delicious. They take minutes to cook um, and you're not trashing huge parts of the seabed in the process of exactly. getting them. And, and I mean, we do have more protein needs coming up in the future. The human mm-hmm. race is going to get a lot more populous before the population starts shrinking. Yep. We know that we can't feed the whole planet in the way that the top 10%, 5%, 1% of the of the planet eats. We need to find sources of protein that are fair and sustainable. And it sounds like this can go some other way to doing that.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, I mean, a very diet, a healthy diet, right? Yeah. So you couldn't just eat muscle, yeah. <laughs> nor could you just eat vegetables or anything else. You're going to need a, a balance of things. But you're quite right. You know, half of the world's population live along coastlines. Um, and uh, A lot lot of those people get their food from the sea. So we're going to have to get smarter about uh, how we get our food from the sea in a more sustainable way. Muscles, muscles, I believe will be a part of that. So these are actually ready now. Sweet. That's all they take. Take them off the heat. And... uh,
0: This has been just a perfect uh, first experience of uh, making a meal for two by two. Uh, I think uh, an, an introduction to if we do ever have any listeners from outside of Northern Ireland, this is uh, the mixture of sort of seafood bivalves, wheat and bread and a bit of greens and lots of butter and beer. That's a, a very Irish experience. And <laughs> it's been great to catch up with you. Thanks for having me around for dinner. And um, I think we'll leave it there. Um, well listen uh, thanks for listening this was my first experience of recording this Um, please give us some feedback on what you think might make it better and do expect some uh, youtube videos of some of the recipes as well and thank you for listening to a meal for two by two our theme tune is the old oak wood grows green again by Column Sands performed by Colm Sands and Anne Harper and published by Elm Grove Music.